This Real Agriculture podcast is brought to you by Genesis Fertilizers. Nitrogen fertilizer is your farm's number one expense. Farmers are working together through Genesis Fertilizers to solve the problem of high prices and security of supply by planning a state-of-the-art nitrogen plant. Security and earnings through ownership is the solution. Visit Genesis today at genesisfertilizers.com to learn more. Sean Haney here with Real Ag Radio, Rural Radio 147, Sirius XM, and realagriculture.com. It's now time for talking about the markets. And of course, on Wednesdays, we do this on a regular basis for Real Ag Markets. And uh, our guest today, this week, is John Drager. He's a commodity analyst with Left Field Commodity Research based out of Winnipeg, Manitoba. And he's got a big smile on his face because the Jets are doing amazing. So the Jets are doing amazing. <laughs> if only the market could do as well as the Jets, John. Yeah, and and the Jets are overcoming some adversity, some injuries, terrible special teams, and they're still winning. And it feels like it's just kind of you know the uh, it, it it feels like the markets are acting a little more like maybe the Ottawa Senators or, or Columbus or something like that. Unfortunately, so <laughs> underperforming expectations. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Well, here I guess where I want to start today is talking about some of the acre expectations. For 2024 on the Western Canadian prairies, we, we know that the dry bias continues to overlay the the market conditions in, in Western Canada on the prairies. Um, we, we finally feel like we've got some winter. And when I say finally, it's sort of like, hey, now it feels a little bit more normal as we see some of the temperatures. Will it bring huge amounts of snow? Uh, you know, we're going to need a lot more than what people have gotten so far for the most part. As you look at kind of the the breakdown of all the different crops for the 24 season, acre thoughts are 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 there some surprises in store for us given what the market's doing right now and what some of the conditions are? Yeah, I, you know, I don't know. If, at least in terms of our early expectations, Sean. I, I mean, I'm not sure if surprises is necessarily the right word, and I'll maybe back it up half a step and. You know, I think one of the things as we think about acres, and, and it's maybe even more, well, I, I would say for probably for farmers in general is uh, like they tend to not swing as much as let's call it maybe market sentiment or prices or those sorts of things would dictate that they might. And and I think that's just, you know, for agronomic reasons, I, I think there's other factors that all go into uh, why a farmer puts something in the ground and, and prices is just you know, one of them, and it's an important one, but it is just one. And so, you know, as we kind of do our analysis and our work on this, there there tends to be sometimes smaller swings than one might think when you look at all oh, the price of this is going down or that's going up or, or that sort of thing. There's just simply limitations that that cap those a little bit. But, you know, as we did some work, and, and so, you know, we, we did some work on it, let's call it mid-December. Uh, and so, you know, some of the trends I would say is maybe not all that surprising in terms of, you know, I think we're going to see canola down a little bit. Uh, maybe three odd percent, four percent, maybe give or take. So we were just over 22 million last year. We think we'll be about 21 and a half. Uh, spring wheat, you know, maybe down a shade, but that's from a very, very high number. Uh, Durham is going to maybe be up a little bit and, and probably big acres, but, uh, you know, pulses up a little bit. And so as you sort of go down, I guess, uh, you know, kind of as we go down some of the crops as we weed through it, I would say not necessarily surprising in the context of, you know, just you know, the price activity that we've seen and, and so forth, uh, maybe more of what you might kind of expect. Uh, and then the other part, and, and you mentioned about, you know, some of the dryness here in Western Canada that kind of layers in that, 
is that some of the markets that are performing relatively well, and let's just say pulses in Durham, for example, are in those areas that that or crops that are typically grown in some of those driest areas, areas that have persistently had some drought. And so you look at something like canola that maybe bleeds some acres, it's probably going to be more so in those areas because, you know, A, those crops are doing well, and, and B, it's it's those crops tend to do a little better, maybe when, relatively speaking, when it's drier. So so you line some of those things up, and, and that's at least some of the very early leanings we have at this stage of the game anyway. So. Interesting. So I, I just had a thought, John, as we're talking about this, and I think you're right. We we when we talk about the acre breakdown in Western Canada, sometimes we we tend to put it in the same context as say the U.S. corn soybean acre discussion, which which can very much provide some surprises to the market. Last year is a really good example of of what can happen on on certain acreage reports. Is are the are the acres a little bit more inelastic? than some of the other markets in, in from a Western Canadian perspective? Like do, do we, are there less changes no matter which direction the market kind of goes? Mm-hmm. Like it, I, 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 I'm not, I'm not concluding that. I'm, I'm just kind of curious. Yeah. You know, I, I think one of the things that's maybe a little unique about Western Canada is I, I think we just have a more diverse, well, I don't know, maybe it's not fair to say more diverse crop mix. It's a little bit like saying the entire U.S. is like Iowa, which obviously, obviously it's it's not. But but yeah. when we think about Western Canada specifically, I mean, we, you know, so canola is the biggest crop, spring wheat, of course, but, but you know, there's a lot of farms that grow, you know, three or four crops on their farms. And so so it is a diverse crop mix in Western Canada. And, and so in some sense, and, and again, you know, you think in the U.S., you know, corn, wheat, beans, and, and again, that's that's a bit you know stereotypical and oversimplified and and so forth but but i think because we do have this diverse crop mix and and some of these areas are, are you know just so very very different you know so a sizable chunk of western canadian growing area is you know say for example southern saskatchewan and southern alberta that tends to be drier i mean what happens there looks you know an awful lot different than say in the peace region of alberta which is a hugely important growing region or you know, Northeast Saskatchewan or that sort of thing. So, so I think in some ways, you know, I, I think if you look at Western Canada, I mean, you really do have to, it's not generic, you know, it's pretty diverse and some of those areas are very diverse crop mixes, you know? And, and so I think in that sense, you know, and again, maybe we live in our own, you know, backyard itis a little bit when we think about primarily on Western Canadian crop markets, but it, it certainly seems like it's a, it is a diverse crop mix. You know, there's a reason we cover, you know, 14 or 15 different crops here uh, as part of our weekly work. And, and some of them are relatively small, but they're really important maybe in that, in that region. So it's, uh, I'd say that's where maybe it is a little, little different in some ways. And it would make sense that if the dry bias continues between now and say April 1st, Canola would be the one that would probably have the biggest potential to be more to the downside. Like, you know, the drier it is, the more likely somebody is probably to plant Durham or even to plant mm-hmm. spring wheat, no matter what those market conditions are. Or I, I don't think people would jump to chem fallow. And, and in some areas it's dry, but it's not like that dry. Um, there some, some areas notwithstanding. Um, but canola would be the one maybe that we would see more potential to go lower? Yeah, I, I think possibly. So, for example, you know, we, we came up with about 21.5 million acres in, in mid-December. And, of course, that canola market has lost quite a bit of value since then. And, again, we, you know, we're reluctant to just flop around with every little ebb and flow in the market. Oh, guys are planting all this or not planting any of this. But but I, I think the sentiment, I guess I would say, is, is that canola is vulnerable to maybe bleeding 
some acres around the margins. I mean, a lot of these decisions are probably already more or less etched in stone on a lot of farms. But kind of to speak to your point, Sean, like if it's dry, you know, canola is not a cheap crop to grow. It's relatively expensive. Uh, if prices have been coming down, I think there's just a, a real negative sentiment around the crop right now. Uh, one could argue that's too pessimistic, but either way, you know, certainly values have been bleeding lower. And, you know, so, okay, it's a little expensive, a little negative sentiment, maybe got a little more unpriced in the bin than you, you feel good about today. Uh, now you have a little bit of extra, let's say, risk on the production side. It's a little dry, you know, might that draw in a few more acres of call it durum or, you know, maybe barley or peas or something like that. I, I think that's plausible, you know. So as we get towards spring, you know, let's just say if the, the conditions are similar-ish to what we're looking at today, uh, trending in that direction, I wouldn't be surprised if we look back and said our, our canola number is a little high where it is today. Now, now that's where we sit today. Of course, we got a few months where, where things can change. But but I think, yeah, to speak to your point, John, I think that's a crop that is vulnerable to maybe losing a little area between now and, and spring. Well, to give you an idea on the bleeding, for example, um, I'm, I'm pulling up some data from bar chart. And if you look at the November 24 contract, okay, so this is, you know, 24 new crop. The average price in the last five years on the November contract is 712. Okay. We're sitting at 633. So we're, we're below the five year average. Now, now, hey, listen, like we were, it sort of tells you where we were compared to where we are today, maybe a little bit, but yeah, we we've uh, I think bleeding is is probably a good way to put it. Yeah, and and I mean there is an element of that for all crops as well, right? And these things are all relative. You know, you look for example where you know say you know Minneapolis futures would be you know uh, on based on a five year average or, or some others. I mean everything is sort of now drifting below you know, maybe into that next range of, of prices. But but having said all that, you know, it, it's true. You know, it, it's, uh, you know, canola prices, it, you know, they're, they're historically high if you want to look, say, pre-2020. Uh, but, you know, certainly they're trading at the lowest level in several years. And, uh, you know, might that stabilize and turn higher? Again, one might make a case that that's possible. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, it, it's a market that's soft, uh, not the cheapest crop to grow, from a risk reward perspective, again, I, you know, whether that is a right or wrong way to look at it from a farmer's perspective, I'm, every business is different, but it's not hard to kind of follow that train of logic and say, yeah, maybe around the margins, maybe some of that canola doesn't get in. And, and again, I don't think it'll be a huge collapse. I mean, it's a staple. Uh, it's a crop that's done well for farmers for, for a really long time. It's, I don't think we've been anticipating a, a, just a, a collapse of canola acres or anything yeah. like that. I think that's far too dramatic. Okay, but, so you know, from a production, uh, and some people so are just going to okay. Go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, as you extrapolate that, Sean, you know, you maybe bleed a few acres, and it's a little dry, and you maybe yield is a little disappointing again. It's not hard to then see a couple dominoes fall where actually that crop gets quite short next year. And again, that's a couple ifs that are built into that. Yeah, but you can see where potentially, you know, by the time next harvest rolls around, it's like, geez, that's that's a bit of a small crop. We lost some acres. Yields are a bit soft. It, who knows, but that's possible, right? John, John just inserts the contrarian play right there. I, I, <laughs> I, uh, I, I like it. Uh, that's, 
Good stuff. Yeah, um, don't don't construe that to a raging bullish outlook. It's just a <laughs> range know, of possibilities, hey, right? Hey, it's it, possibilities. Honestly, man, this is exactly what the growers going through right now in terms of because you know I think there is a certain yeah. percentage where there is some flex acres. Uh, it, it may not be half the rotation. It, well, it isn't probably half the rotation, but there is some flex there. And you know, leading up to the spring, how people look at what happens, you know, from the moisture standpoint, and which which way they think the market's going to be going. Um, it, it's gonna it, it's gonna be a factor. What's interesting, if you look at soybeans in November, it they've kind of rolled over the same, same way that canola has. So it's 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 not just a canola issue. It's it's kind of an overall veg oil complex thing that's happening right now. Yeah, no, I I, I totally agree, Sean. And as as we think specifically, say about canola, and you sort of build this case, maybe that crop possibly ends up a little short next fall. I mean, that's only one piece of the story. And to kind of speak to your point about, about soybeans, which is obviously enormously important for canola values, uh, you know, so I think smaller Brazilian crop probably largely baked into the market, although I guess we'll see, uh, you know, Chinese demand, is that a little bit vulnerable? One might argue that, although you never know exactly what's going to happen in, in, in China. That's always a bit of a mystery. Uh, if U.S. acres are a little bit higher next year, and again, you know, maybe it's dry in the U.S. as well, for all we know, uh, but, you know, it's not hard to see where maybe, you know, canola still looks relatively tight uh, for, say, 24, 25. And yet the dynamics around it, you know, just kind of keep a lid on that price because maybe the external factors are a little bearish. And, you know, even just demand in general, I mean, it, commodity markets in general, something like crude oil is, is you know, kind of, you know, it's it's a pretty soft market despite a tremendous amount of unrest in this critical area in the Middle East, you'd think at least there'd be some risk premium or something built in and everything on paper, crude oil should be tight. And yet it's just trading soft. You know, maybe there's some broader economic issues that are spilling into commodity markets that, that grains aren't immune to. So I think all these dynamics, you know, work work into probably why we're just a little soft in grain markets in general, which is kind of getting beyond the specifics of, of acres per, for new crop per se. But you think about the things that are probably rolling around in growers' minds as they maybe wrestle with some of those flex acres, whatever portion of that farm there is. Yeah, when you look at soybeans on on the November contract, for example, we we clear in the last year, um, the market clearly feels that thirteen is kind of a lid on the market, and and we're trying to establish whether you know where we are today at twelve is is kind of the where we're comfortable from a bottom standpoint is we try to, you know, we're kind of in this sideways sort of channel, but we got to remember as well that, you know, in, in the last year we, we have been down as low as like 1125 or 1130. So that's another 70 cents from where we are today. So we're, we're kind of testing that, that, that sideways channel right now. Yeah. And, and certainly, and of course, you know, Friday's report is a big wild card with USDA. I mean, it is one of the, the more significant reports in the year and, and sets the tone for maybe the next several weeks or a month or more of trading, potentially, depending how the numbers come out. I mean, sometimes they come out as everyone expects and it's a big nothing. But, you know, it, it, you know, if, if we get a bit of a negative, uh, some negative numbers, you know, the way momentum is, is trending, I mean, it wouldn't, you know, would it be shocking for us to break through support and, and test the lower end of that bounds? I, I you know, that's... It, it all just feels a little soft right now. You know, there's, there's a lot of negative sentiment. And again, things always feel the most negative at the bottom. And, and so, you know, want to be a little cautious about, uh, uh, you know, about sort of just hopping on that bandwagon per se, but certainly the overall tone is, is soft. You know, this market is, is looking for a trigger to try and, you know, kind of find some stability and turn higher. And, and there's just not a whole lot there to sink yeah. your teeth into. 